0: Sometimes uh, because of how you look different from your name. and Sometimes uh, I think when you're going through CVs, people can kind of uh, filter but straight away just by your name because they know kind of your name sounds slightly different. And then you walk into the interview, kind of you look different. So the way we speak and sometimes you always try to avoid that. When people are discussing after the interview, will he fit in? And sometimes people do say, will he get
1: our banter? Today, I am talking to Jerry, technical lead at the Streets Group. We're talking about culture and identity and how it's evolved and played out over the course of the pandemic. This is Tech Talks, your twice weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, powered by the Harvey Nash Group, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you some technology news. Joining me today, we've got Amber. Amber, how was your 4th of October?
2: my 4th of october
1: yeah you're going to be like what was the 4th of october oh is this
2: is this um the star wars thing is it that
1: no that's may the 4th
2: oh okay no that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking oh, i was like no. um my 4th of october was When was that? When was that? It was
1: the day that Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp went down.
2: Ah, okay. Oh. It was
1: three days ago, by the way.
2: Yeah, you know what? My Facebook, Instagram, I didn't really notice. I don't go on Facebook anyway. Um, And my Instagram was down for like 10 minutes. Like, honestly, I don't think I really noticed. But other people were were going a bit crazy. So I feel like it was a very big thing.
1: Wow, yeah. I mean, some... We will come to the more serious side of it later in On news because there, there was a really interesting article actually where for millions of people, the WhatsApp outage could have been a matter of life and death. Like we, we don't think, like genuinely, we don't think about how useful a service it can be in developing parts of the world. So not being able to get on Instagram and see what food someone's had or if someone's <laughs> gone for a run is kind of small fry but it, it you know there are also there is a headline in the paper no no lie it was scary at first social media users on the facebook outage it's like
2: oh god it wasn't
1: scary it just meant oh, i'll put my phone down i'll watch the tv in yeah. my life
2: yeah that, that's exactly what it's like for me i mean
1: yeah i go on twitter
2: exactly I, I did i went on twitter for like the first time in ages um
1: but yeah I I love Twitter so anyway so yeah
2: didn't really impact me that much to be honest and you know what I actually saw a really um a really funny thing online earlier and it was like somebody was saying when's the like the MS Teams outage when's that going to happen like everything going down like Outlook Teams all of that if that happened that would really impact my day but not so much for WhatsApp and
1: um and Instagram to be honest no, no. Well, as I said, for me and for you, no, but we might get onto a slightly different situation where you go, shit, that's not good. And actually where you go, that's a lot of infrastructure concentrated in one company.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, I I've, i don't know if they actually worked out what happened just yet, because I mean, it was a complete car crash on their side of things. As I said, it didn't affect me too much, but the fact that it was like a kind of a global thing, like something yeah, one, wrong one
1: company going down. You think you think people forget, but it's like, no, Facebook is Instagram and WhatsApp too. So it's a hell of a lot of people that get affected by that going down. Anyway. Anyway, we were we we touched on um, working culture when we talked about teams and that's exactly what today's interview is all about so we'll we'll jump to that and we'll come back to this later um jerry is our guest he's from street we'll hand over and we'll have a conversation about jerry and his thoughts afterwards this afternoon i'm talking to jerry jerry uh thank you for making some time to join me on the podcast
0: oh thank you very much
1: you know, you work for Street. Uh, you're an engineer. You work on a product called Spectre. Very quickly, in 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 a 15 second nutshell, for anyone who's not familiar with Street, what does the company do? And then let's get into the details of the product. So, kind
0: of a Street. We're kind of a it's uh, in a nutshell. It's a like real estate uh, trying to move real estate into the digital age by pairing the UK's leading estate agents, yeah, talent with kind of a tomorrow's. Technology. So we make uh, kind of one pro- of our products uh, CRM, and also kind of a uh, Spectre sales and lettings, which are designed with effortless kind of uh, in terms of the communication in mind, allowing its agents to, to provide seamless
1: customer experience. So, so, so Spectre is a sales and lettings CRM. Yes. Yeah. So, so what's 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 the, the, the challenge that it's trying to fix here? And I say that as someone who spent 14 years, prior to about six months ago when I bought a house, I spent 14 years renting in London. So I'm fairly familiar with dealing with letting agents and, and estate agents.
0: Yeah, so Spectre kind of is a leading uh, instruction, generating tool, and kind of unless you're working in uh, the property industry, I don't know if you're aware, you don't understand what kind of, when we talk about instructions, what it means?
1: Yeah, yeah, vaguely. So when, when, when a landlord goes to the agent and asks them to put something on the market, right? When a vendor or landlord
0: wants to instruct uh, an estate agent to sell or rent a property, they'll use a Spectre. So mm. what Spectre does, so it starts with identifying full addresses of mm. their competitor's properties. It then monitors these properties in real time so any change of kind of property re- reductions in terms of rent or prices in the market, it will identify all this in real time and it ad- identifies the points at which those vendors are most likely to be unhappy with their current agents. And what we've noticed through kind of our research is 50% of vendors normally change agents before selling their home. So Spectre puts an agent
1: in a prime position to win those instructions. Yeah, yeah, a bit of market insight before they lose that potential. Uh, Yeah, absolutely.
0: And also kind of, uh, what's the great thing about Spectre is that rather than kind of sending a generic letter or a postcard, kind of what it does, it generates kind of intelligent and targeted letters, which will be catered to a vendor's individual
1: situation or frustration, and it all can be done at the click of a button. Now, look. Given given the situation we find ourselves in, house prices increasing by forty percent in various parts of the country, huge amounts of um, I wouldn't say volatility in the market, but there's been a lot of movement, and uh, and obviously things like stamp duty holidays have had an effect, and so on. That's got to be that's got to have come into its own in the last eighteen months in terms of being able to give people that insight.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It has been such a pivotal kind of. Moment for us. Initially, it was kind of a slow starter, kind of during kind of the heart of lockdown. I think it was uh, around last March, April. Kind of, we did see a slowdown in the market, and we offered most of our client, our uh, kind of our users, a massive discount because we knew we knew and we understood that everyone was going through a really difficult time. So we kind of uh, we offered all our clients kind of uh, discount during that time, and then towards the, when the stamp duty was announced we kind of noticed a massive jump in their property activity, especially sales. And I think what most of our clients were saying, uh, they could not just, I think there were small demand and supply, they just couldn't sell, properties would come in and they would sell within a week, sometimes within a day, they could sell. So in the end, most of them just didn't have any properties in their books whatsoever. So the good thing about Spectre is we have this function, which is, we call it off the market focus, whereby you can draw an area a Place where you, you know that there's a lot of demand for that area, and then you can send postcards or letters specifically in that area asking people, kind of, are they interested in selling their homes? You've yeah. got a few people interested in that area, and actually, we did see a massive return on that for our our clients.
1: Well, look, I mean, you, how long have you been at Street?
0: Uh, three and a half years, so I was employee number eight.
1: That's got to be exciting. I mean, how, how many people have they now got as a business?
0: So now we're kind of we're on 67.
1: Yeah, so you you've seen the growth of that business. But it wasn't it wasn't your first role in tech. Uh what what's your story from from getting into the industry to to joining Street? That that bit beforehand. So, I'm
0: I'm originally from Tanzania in East Africa. So, I came to university uh in the UK and I studied computer science and when I graduated, uh I was lucky enough to get a Graduate scheme for Sky, which at the time I kind of I was working at Sky Sports division in Leeds. So I was there for more or less for seven years, and then uh, which I had uh, I learned a lot from that, and again a massive experience from that. Kind of I felt like I grew as a person from the graduate to where I, I, I was seven years later, and for that I decided to go and do my masters in Manchester. And then of that kind of i like did I worked in a bit of kind of different industries before I joined the street group
1: so look i i'm I think this is a really interesting time to talk to you because obviously um you're you're a migrant worker coming into uh the u k but working yeah. in tech at a time yeah. where location there's that break isn't there between employee and employer more organizations are beginning to adopt flexible working attitudes more organizations are beginning to say not even hybrid working but you can be based anywhere yeah so what are the reasons that you came to the uk and then do they still hold true do you now look at it and go you don't have to leave tanzania or was it more to do with education but then again maybe that could be delivered remotely yeah,
0: true, actually. I mean, at the moment, uh, yeah, I could actually work in Tanzania, kind of, because at the moment we've been working remotely since last March, so actually, yeah, I could work in Tanzania, but initially I moved uh, here for education, then after that, kind of, I, moved, I, I kind of uh, decided perhaps it'd be nice to stay and enhance my knowledge, technically, and also educational-wise as well, and at the moment, yeah, I completely agree. I think I'll uh, from time to time. I think we are allowed to kind of work anywhere. So perhaps I could actually work in Tanzania. I mean, it's only three hour time difference. So it's not that bad.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? Because there's, there's so many Brits now going over to places sure. like the Balearic Islands, to Spain, to Greece, kind of like embracing this ability to, let's face it, whilst it's a warm, sunny day right now, I'm sure by the time <laughs> this goes out, the weather will have turned. And, you know, February, March kind of time, lots of people looking at it as a wonderful excuse to go and work in warmer climates and, and kind of embrace a, a, a balanced lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it doesn't yeah, like this weather's like this
0: every day of the year because we, don't, we only have uh, wet and dry season, but the temperature... I, I wouldn't do well. <laughs> <laughs> the temperatures are between 25 and 32, so it's always like this. So you'd be in heaven kind of uh, if I was walking there full time.
1: Just out of interest then, as someone who, who arrives in the UK to study, what barriers did you face coming into the Ooh. industry? What, what were the challenges that you had to overcome? Uh,
2: I think uh,
1: language was quite difficult because uh, English is my third language.
0: So coming in, uh, I did struggle a little bit, but university did help. But kind of a university environment and going into kind of work environment was quite challenging. without, Especially the language of well, I could say language in terms of like banter, where it was quite hard to understand British banter and British humour as well. So that took a while to get used to that. And culture as well, kind of, uh, I would say in Tanzania, kind of you live, we don't really have uh, seasons really. So in like hot of winter, where you go to work in the dark, you come home in the dark, which that was the first time I've never seen that before. So <laughs> that, that took a while to, to adjust to that. But, uh, yeah, I think culture and language, I did struggle a bit initially.
1: Look, that's a really good point because I make light of the point that you could, you know, you could work anywhere. And, yeah. And, are, are, you know, is the environment the same? And perhaps as a white English male, I don't think about those challenges. And, you know, the, we're talking about the industry right now and going – hybrid working flexible working you don't need to be in the office but if english is not your first language and the cultural differences are bigger and and they're the kind of challenges that my bias overlooks without thinking i suppose there is an argument there that suggests that that you may well maybe not maybe not now where you've been in the UK as long but if you've just arrived in the UK and you're looking to start your career would really value the opportunity of going into the office despite um, the ability to be able to work remotely uh, if it's there yeah
0: absolutely and one of the things as well I think I, I proposed uh, within the company is uh sometimes uh because of how you look different from your name and sometimes uh, I think when you're going through CVs people can kind of uh filter but straight away just by your name because they know kind of your name sounds slightly different. And then you walk into the interview, kind of, you look different. So the way we speak, and sometimes you always try to avoid that when people are discussing after the interview, will he fit in? And sometimes people do say, will he get our banter? Right. So that's, sometimes that's the biggest challenge is kind of how you need to come across. But uh, you can uh, that kind of uh, conversation within within interview. Some people can kind of judge from that and say, "Oh, do you think he will fit in, or will he understand our banter?" That's quite challenging sometimes.
1: So, with regards to the team, and we're talking about culture, just kind of moving away a little bit from from the inclusion piece, which is incredibly important. But I'd be really intrigued to know how you, as a team, coped during lockdown, because it's obvious from what you're saying that you really value that human contact. Yes. And
0: uh, I mean, it it was quite challenging because uh, not only I'm the kind of uh, the software engineer and the lead uh, inspector, I also, I'm involved in like uh, the social aspect of it. So I'm the social secretary to the company. So I helped organize all the events, like kind of summer parties or any kind of type of social events. Yeah. So from moving from that to like lockdown and then uh, we will work remotely. So how can we actually try to bring uh, that bit of fun during lockdown, especially within my team and also as a company as well. So a few things as, as in my team kind of I normally we would have like a stand up in the morning, but we decided perhaps it would be nice to check in with, with each other from time to time during the day, especially we're all going to be working on, remote for a long time and sometimes you don't have that aspect of walking across the office or turning around and asking someone if you're stuck. So we ended up having more kind of meeting, meetings or interactions and pairing as well. So some of the work rather than just you on yourself kind of sit at home and work, you would actually pair with someone. So at least you get to talk to someone, especially if you're living alone. It can be quite challenging. Kind of You end up a week without speaking to anyone else. So, so we kind of tried to adopt this type of measures within the, the the team. And then also the company-wide in terms of socially, we felt like uh, how can we keep the momentum within people, especially in the heart of lockdown, I think around uh, April, May. So we decided to come up with events such as, I don't know, wine t- remote kind of wine tasting mm. and fancy dress over, the, over, over Zoom and everything. So that did actually keep the team up morale and also kind of felt like we're all together
1: what's What's the attitude been of people who you hired during the last 18 months now that we are out of lockdown? you know um the the suggestion, I suppose would be that they're desperate to get in and meet colleagues and to to restart that aspect or to start that aspect of their life at street because they won't have had that before. but is is it a bit more nuanced? have you Have you met some let's not say resistance, but some concern about what that what that might be like? Yeah, so I've
0: been speaking to like almost like every new, I think we hired about 35 or 38 kind of people between lockdown and now. So it's been quite interesting kind of being on board during lockdown because normally you'd be coming to an office, you'd be showing around, introduced to everyone in the team. But kind of currently it's all remotely, so it could be anywhere. And then it's all just through a camera. But uh, I think we've had a really kind of people's team in in the company have been really active on this and the creative is kind of uh, like a boarding where you get to kind of have coffee breaks or coffee buddies so within kind of every other few hours or every other day you keep kind of invited into a coffee meeting with someone across the company hmm. so you, you get to meet people not only within your team but also across every other department for just 15 minutes 20 minutes just to talk, chat about anything. So you don't have to talk about work. So you can just talk about anything. And I think that's really helped people come on board Yeah. And, and we have this meeting uh, every Friday where the whole company will come together and we discuss each department, discuss what they've done that week and everything. That also helped people to put names with faces because everyone in the whole company kind of come together, even though it's on, it's on screen. But you get to see people kind of on the screen that you never know actually work the same company.
1: So look, um, you as we've said, you are obviously from a from a minority group in the UK, yeah. but you seem to be very ingrained in the company. And as you <laughs> said, secondary, uh, what do you think makes Street the kind of place where you've been able to feel at home and thrive and been there for so many years now? Uh, I think
0: the great thing is uh, there's no hierarchy, and uh, which which is one thing I really kind of enjoy. Like uh, I think the owners, uh, one of the owners is that developer and you kind of work alongside him and uh, he can pick up tickets in kind of Jira, work on them. You can kind of code review his code and critique his code. And there's no such thing as, oh, he's the boss, kind of uh, can't really be critical about what is written or anything like that. So yeah, there's cool. no such thing. We're all kind of together. And another thing as well, there's no top-down kind of hierarchy. In the end, you know, uh, anyone in the company can come up with ideas if you see something or a feature that you think we should add into Spectre or Street, you're more than welcome to bring it up. So it's not really one of those uh, organizations where the leadership team come up with ideas and then everyone else just do them. Everyone is welcome to, to kind of uh, bring up anything within the company. And uh, everyone is we're very open with uh, s- suggestions on what we can improve the product.
1: Look, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. I hope that your role as social secretary does get back into full swing. I hope uh, so. <laughs> it will be a sign that the world is returning to normal, but uh, thank you for taking the time to talk us through a little bit about your, your role and, and also your, your views on the industry. Oh, thank you very much, Dave. Yeah, thank you very much for your time. Right. There's loads in this that I think is really interesting, quite apart from anything else, what street are doing. Given the housing market is, is interesting, but I suppose my focus would be around the cultural aspects that Jerry is talking about: culture, language, banter. Um, what what stood out to you though? First of all, before I take it down that route, I mean, is there anything else that you that you listened to and went, "Hmm, that's interesting"?
2: No, you know what? I was actually really drawn to that aspect of the interview as well. I think when you think of somebody, you know, moving and obviously sort of. Um, you know, sort of joining a new organisation when they've obviously relocated as well. You you don't really think of those points. I I know obviously sort of culturally it's going to be very, very different. But when he mentioned the banter side of things and having to adapt to like English banter, like it's just something you don't even think about. Like our sense of humour is so different. And if you don't get that, like it must be a real big, uh, yeah, just a a big change to be able to sort of, just to try to sort of adapt. So yeah, I, I think of the whole interview, that was the main thing that really stood out to me. Um also the fact that he just seems such a like a positive person. I know that sounds like really ridiculous to say, but he just had like the best attitude and energy. And I just I don't know. I just thought he seemed like a really cool guy. But yeah, interview wise, that was the main bit that sort of stuck out to me.
1: Yeah. And, and the banter piece is really interesting, isn't it? Because he talks about. The difficulty of when you look different to how your name appears mm-hmm. or that you are different and that, you know, w- with the pandemic, it's not it's not as easy because you're not in an office to challenge people's assumptions that they wrongly make about you based on how you look on a screen. Um, and actually, that's something that you do get back from being able to go into an environment is for all of those prejudices to get knocked down just by having a proper face-to-face conversation with someone. Mm. Um, And question marks about whether or not he will get our banter are an extreme version of just how prejudiced we can be. First of all, that somehow our banter is something that someone should get. Like, well, hang on a minute what does that say about your company culture if you're saying that it's quite exclusive in in that regard anyway like we all want to have a good time we all want to go into an office and have a joke and a laugh but it shouldn't be at the exclusion of other people and you know how off-putting is it to someone perhaps like Jerry that that they feel that that then it's somewhat somewhat difficult to penetrate
2: yeah that's a really good point actually is that i think it sometimes People focus so much on you have to adapt to our banter. But as you said, well, I don't know, that does seem, um, you know, like you're excluding people if they don't or they can't get on board with that. But I, I just think people have had to, like, start a company during this time. like That must have been so difficult because teams, I think we've touched on this point before, but teams is very much you come on, you know, you have a conversation about work or whatever, and it's very hard to really build a good rapport and, and have – more of a sort of a social interaction. It is very much like, let's get down to business, let's talk about work and then we'll sort of move on. And that's kind of the end of the conversation. So just to be able to feel like comfortable and become familiar with people in your organisation where you're you're doing that from home. Um, I mean, I've kind of done that in a sense. Um, I've probably told you this story like a million and one times, Dave, but obviously I started um, at Harvey Nash and had like three, four days in the office and then was from from home. And just to be able to get to know people, to, you know, just, just, I don't know, talk about things outside of work when you're sitting in front of a screen and you're at home and you're quite isolated. It is really difficult. So I think if you've got that on top of, obviously, relocating, coming from a completely different country, having to adapt to a new culture, new ways of working, a new way of life, like, that has got to be so overwhelming. So I think anyone who can do that and, you know, has to sort of make that transition, like, you know, fair play, because it's it's probably just incredibly difficult.
1: Yeah, and camaraderie matters. Like that team ethos matters. It does make a business. Like I have worked at the Harvey Nash Group for fourteen years because I like the people. Fundamentally, the job of recruitment that I did certainly for the first five to ten years is pretty similar from one environment to another. Mm. The job, the job is, is is doesn't change that much, but the people and looking forward to seeing those people and the jokes and the shared experience and all of that is important. So it's definitely not a case that that banter is wrong, but banter in itself is a term that can also come with a whole load of extra baggage that perhaps we don't mean by it. That's not necessarily helpful, but I think it's awesome. You, you mentioned that he's positive. The fact that he's become that company's social secretary speaks volumes.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, the fact that these guys, um, you know, they're obviously, culture and, you know, the company ethos is so important to them because they're still growing and they are probably trying to establish that. And the fact that he stepped into this role, he obviously knows what sort of direction he wants to take, you know, their company sort of ethos in. You know, he mm. he's obviously been a part of that journey. He's been there for, I think it's three years, three and a half years or so. Um, so yeah, why not have somebody go into that role who obviously knows the company well and can introduce new people and, and really get them embedded into the team? Um, yeah, I think it's really cool. Like I say, I, I think positivity kind of shines through, and um, you know we've all had to have a bit of that over the last kind of eighteen months. Um, and I think if you are starting a new company and you've had to do that remotely, you know, that, again, you've had to sort of remain positive. Otherwise, it has been you know incredibly kind of challenging.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> one thing that's also related to it that I think is really interesting. You know, you, you talked about working at your uh, at home on your own. We still do that a lot. Like I'm at home all week this week and there are a few people that I know that I can drop a team's call to for five or ten minutes and just have a natter. And I probably annoy them, but it's quite healthy. <laughs>
2: yeah, but I think you need it, don't you? I just think you do. sometimes and- you just go crazy just kind of sitting here on your own. And, and it, I think it's about balance, isn't it? Because, look, if, if you told us or, you know, there RR- are a boss told us we had to go back into the office five days a week, everyone probably kick up a bit of a fuss and it's, it's just not the way that the world sort of works now. But equally, people want to go in a little bit to see their colleagues, have that interaction, and just break the week up a little bit. So, you know, as he said, if you're having calls with people and, you know, just having a bit of a nap for five minutes, if that makes your day a little bit easier and then you can get back to work, get your head down, and you feel like you've had some social interaction, then, you know, I, I think it's only a good thing
1: exactly and when they're talking about coffee breaks across the whole company and how it helps with onboarding look like you said you came into the office for like 3 days and then when you went home i know that we did a couple of because me and you randomly got paired didn't mm. we um, yeah. to have a chat with each other and it was a bit stilted but it like as a, as a as a as a mechanism it was the right idea but we only did it like twice and then we stopped doing it and actually if you were to be paired with someone cuz we did it like right chat with one person and you're going to chat with someone different and you're going to chat with someone different actually if you get paired with someone in a different department entirely and therefore you get a bit of a sense of the company that's beyond just your own team or wider team um and you do build up a bit of rapport and there's someone that you can have a chat with about whatever's going on and it doesn't have to be work i do think there's a lot of value for that and i, I value in that and actually even though offices are open i think that's something that companies should think about kind of trying to instill a little bit more because people are still at home and still um, a little bit uh, uh, separate from from each other.
2: Yeah, you know what, I agree. I think some things that came in because of COVID, they, you know, I think they're good things. I think they should stay because we was obviously talking, the last time I did the podcast with you, we was going into like mental health and the impact obviously on everyone's mental health, um, you know, because of the pandemic. And I, I just think you know we had what that, that a five minute conversation or so that last that sort of that first time that you and I had spoken, and it just it allowed us to sort of to get to know one another. And I'm not saying we have to do that every single day or they have to do it on a weekly basis. But say we did that with one member of our team or one member of our organisation, like once a month, once every couple of months. I think it's so valuable because it gives people a bit of a breather. It allows you to like collaborate with other people in the business. Um, it, I think for our mental health, it's, you know, we are social creatures, aren't we? And I think we want to have conversations. We want to talk a load of rubbish. Um, and I think, yeah, I think things like that should should definitely stay. They shouldn't have just been a now thing because of the pandemic. I think they'll be beneficial for, you know, for any company moving
1: forward. Jerry, thanks for being our guest uh, this week. Plenty there, obviously, that sparked a bit of conversation between me and Amber. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about that outage on the 4th. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe could be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. Right, without wanting to sound dramatic at the top of the interview, I did say that, or at the top of the podcast rather, I did say that actually for some people it was a bit of a a matter of life and death. And I just want to read out a paragraph from, from this article that I found in the paper. So, more than 8,000 miles away in Pakistan, WhatsApp is a critical tool of commerce, especially in poverty-stricken rural villages that rely on very thin margins from livestock sales. Deep in the difficult to traverse Taha Desert, connectivity is a precious rarity. Every day, one or two villagers travel for more than an hour to special Wi-Fi hotspots armed with a single phone in the village and are responsible for the communication and business needs of the community. There, they contact urban livestock buyers over WhatsApp and the entire village's income for the day, earn the entire village's income for the day. Those trips decide what the village will earn and eat for the day, uh, said an entrepreneur in Karachi who founded Goats for Water, a startup in Pakistan that uses WhatsApp to facilitate commerce for smallholder farmers um, in off-the-grid, drought-stricken villages in Pakistan. If they arrive and the servers are down even for a few hours, that would be an incredible setback for the community. Blimey. And it's when you kind of go like, Wow, okay. One company is that important to people's life. Like we're we're kind of saying at the top, like, all oh, right, I just turned up and phone, I went on went on Twitter it is easy. We forget that we're in very privileged positions, but actually these technologies have become so important to people in, in poorer parts of the world, simply earning a living and eating. Um, and that outage, however it happened for, for one company to have that much somehow, I, I know that they're always going to need to use a service, but for one company to have that much of an impact, if it goes down is, is alarming.
2: Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? Because, like you said, for us, well, for me personally, it didn't really affect me an awful lot, and I'm sure that's probably the case for an awful lot of people. They just went on to, you know, another app, or they just put their phone well, they put down, their phone down
1: and watch the telly.
2: Yeah, they spoke to people. God, God forbid. But yeah, when you actually put it like that, and how much these people rely on it, like that's that's crazy. Like I didn't even know that was a thing.
1: I saw a lot of people posting things like. Brilliant! How to fix the world's mental health? Just take down Facebook and whatever else. And I was like, yeah, yeah, and I didn't really think about it. And it's like, yeah, okay, I, I totally get why they're saying that because the opportunity to switch off from social media is good for your mental health. But also, flippantly not looking at the, the 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 situation that actually a lot of people in the world find themselves in, which is wildly different from those of us in the UK who live in you know predominantly live in heated homes with food in the fridge. Uh, or have access to to running food and water at least and some shelter, and there are these off the grid villages in parts of the world where they have to travel as it said for over an hour just to get wi fi and then the one phone in the village if that can 't connect to whatsapp they are fucked, and that is that is scary
2: mm. and
1: we need to think about the fact that if 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 technology is that important to the world, it shouldn 't be in the hands of one private organization and that access and data should be uh, just a human basic need that somehow is provided to everyone and not in the few hands of one or two mega rich billionaires
2: yeah because I, I um read something online about the exact amount of money that he he lost and obviously how the shares went down and stuff <clears throat> and it was just a, a crazy amount of money but do you think from this that they would have lost like a lot of customers as well because obviously from this article that you've just read in this example obviously these people were solely reliant just on whatsapp like do you think now they'll use alternative sort of channels or like how many customers or how much of an impact do you think it's going to have like long term
1: I mean, that, to be perfectly honest, like you look at the numbers that these companies lose and you kind of go, oh my God, they lost the entire market capital value of of, of, Mike, of McDonald's, for example. And it's a drop in the ocean. Like, I, I don't think that actually the, the, the numbers that we're talking about here, because of the amount they've made in the pandemic at the same time, like we forget that. These companies can lose vast amounts of money and they have very little impact. Uh, and you think about the amount of times that people have tried to kind of regulate and hold big tech to account and and the the, the very little that he has done I think what I'm trying to say in some kind of botched and and heavy-handed way (laughs) is that there needs to be some kind of alternative network that that is a that is fairer and freer and you know obviously whatsapp is free to use but fairer and, and and slightly less reliant on the success of of one company um it's obviously providing a basic need and maybe there needs to be some kind of public version that's managed in a slightly different way Mm. yeah i don't
2: know no that is an interesting point because like you say the this is literally just a drop in notion for them because so many people who have the luxury of just going back to it you know if we put our phones down for a couple of hours and then it suddenly was all good and it was all working again like majority of the people would be straight back on there whereas you know, as you said, if these people don't have that as an option and they've had to travel to get Wi-Fi and, you know, they're sort of heavily reliant on it, then, yeah, there should be sort of a, a more sort of accessible version or, you know, it should be, like you said, a, a basic kind of necessity, really, shouldn't it? Because clearly we are so reliant on it that it has to be, um, you know, if it's allowing us to, well, these guys, it's for their livestock, isn't it? I can't remember exactly the details you said in the article, but, like, you know, it is kind of a matter, like you said at the start as well, like between life and death. So, why is it that one company are solely kind of, you know, it's the sole sort of provider of that? I, I don't know. I think it's um, I didn't realize it was as deep as this, if that makes sense. I, I was just looking at it from a, kind of my perspective. Um, and actually, there's probably a lot more people who are a lot more reliant on it. And it's going to really have massively impacted them. So, yeah, I, I'm actually quite intrigued. we am going to do a bit more of a sort of a read of that article, Dave, because I um hadn't really thought of that and how it would affect other people in other countries. I was thinking just from our sort of side of things.
1: Well, I, th- I think that's the thing as well. I I, I didn't. You know, We've got an opportunity with a, plat- with a platform like the podcast every now and then to raise a slightly different point of view and just go, oh, hang on a minute. And certainly by no means are me and you the best place people to come up with answers. But maybe there's a listener out there who can go, you know what? There's this there's this startup, there's this social enterprise that are doing this. You should get them on the show. Um, and you never know, that might happen.
2: Mm, yeah. Well, if you're out there, then get in contact because, um, yeah, like you say, I, I think if there are companies that sort of are st- – you know aware of this already and um, then this what's happened this week and this outage has only kind of highlighted it more hasn't it so maybe yep. it has brought it more to our attention that things can be done and maybe it's even planted a seed for someone who hadn't thought of the idea is starting to you know a startup might be you know being born as we speak
1: absolutely Right, Amber, thank you very, very much for your help on today's show. Uh for everyone listening, Amber's got internet problems, funnily enough, given what we've just been talking about. (laughs) She's not been able to work all day and she's miles behind on work. So thank you very much for giving up some time to join us on the podcast. Everyone else will be back next week.